In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Okay, well, if you saw the news yesterday, apparently the groundhog named Punxsutawney Phil did not see his shadow, thus predicting an early end to winter. When I first heard that news yesterday, I kind of wondered if that groundhog ceremony had taken place this year in Phoenix. It was absolutely beautiful yesterday, even though this morning... Different story. It's been cloudy. It's been, a, it's been really nice weather lately. Obviously, that's kind of why we live here. We are people who are accustomed to light. And what we see now is that each and every day gets brighter and brighter than the next. February 2nd, which was yesterday, is known as a cross-quarter day. It's the time that's halfway between the beginning of winter and the beginning of spring. And traditionally, that day has celebrated light. Conversely, at Halloween, October 31st, it's also a cross-quarter day that celebrates between fall and winter, and it celebrates darkness and winter. But today celebrates light. And for now, we're moving on and on towards more and more light. Today, we have the Feast of the Presentation, also called Candlemas. Again, a a mass with candles that throw light everywhere around the room. Today we're celebrating our search for light, specifically God's light. But in order to do this, we need to kind of unpack why we would even do this to begin with. So here it goes. Our first reading we hear today is from the book of Malachi, and it was written in the early stages and the early ages of the second temple period in Jerusalem. Okay, so there were two temples. The first temple was originally built by King Solomon, and it was destroyed in 587 B.C., the first temple. And many of the Jewish faithful had to flee the area in exile afterwards. But about 70 years after that event, about 70 years later, the people returned and a second temple was built. The second temple was the temple that Jesus knew during his lifetime. So both this Malachi reading that we hear from the first reading and the story as it's laid out for us in the gospel take place during this second temple period. Although architecturally, the first temple and the second temple probably looked a lot alike with similar layouts, there was a stark difference between the first temple and the second temple. When the first temple was consecrated, the book of Chronicles tells us that when Solomon finished praying, that fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and filled the place with light. So much light that the priests couldn't even enter the Holy of Holies and the people couldn't even stand to be near the light. And it was so bright that they put their faces down to the ground in awe and reverence. But when the second temple was consecrated, the glory of the Lord did not fill the room. And it provoked this theological crisis. People began speculating, why did this not happen? And they 
began to internalize this struggle. And as they did that, they started blaming themselves. Somehow they weren't good enough. Somehow they weren't following God's law strictly enough. And so they began imposing much more austere religious practices upon themselves. The reading from Malachi recognizes this great hope that was inside the people, this great longing that they had. And the book prophesies about the coming of the Lord as it is written, but who can endure the day of his coming and who can stand when he actually appears? The people need this great light, that light of God from their ages past in their religious history. They need this light, but as of now, this light hasn't appeared. So then we go 400 years later, 400 years later to the birth of Jesus. His parents, following Jewish customs, arrived to present their firstborn son in the temple. And as they present him, they hand him to Simeon, who even in his old age has been waiting for Malachi's prophecy to be fulfilled. And so Simeon, filled with the Holy Spirit, recognizes who Jesus is. He sees the glory of the Lord returning back into the temple, not in a great smoke or in a great fire, but in a lowly child. And as Simeon rejoices in holding this holy child, we hear him proclaim that Jesus will be a light for revelation to the Gentiles, a light to all people everywhere, to all nations. And in the same way as the first temple, when the first temple saw God's glory for the people of Israel in a bold and powerful way, Jesus will bring forth the glory for the people of Israel back again. The light has returned and dwells among us in human form. There is no greater news because God has indeed been faithful and God's promises are being filled and being fulfilled right here and right now. In essence, when Jesus is presented in the temple, the glory of the Lord that has never filled the space was now filled with the glory of the Lord by the light of the Christ child in the world and the prophecy of the book of Malachi is being fulfilled. But what does this mean for us? The light of Christ that we celebrate today means that the relationship between God's divine majesty and our imperfect humanity become woven together in Jesus. Just as the book of Hebrews, our second reading, told us that God had to become our brother and our sister in order for God to fully be part of the human experience. The promises that God has made to his original 12 tribes of Israel, those promises now begin the process of revealing those promises to all people everywhere, of every language, of every people, of every nation. That's a start. But there's more. Because the process of revelation of light also applies to us. We have an invitation to cultivate this light, this light of Christ for all people. We have an invitation to be bearers of this light. Why? 
because there's a lot of darkness. We all know that we don't have to look very far to see darkness. We don't have to look very far to see poverty, despair, lack of opportunity, racism, xenophobia, homophobia. Honestly, we don't have to look far, not even more than a one-mile radius from this place, to seeing people living in utter misery. That is true. We don't like to admit it, but it's true. That's pretty dark indeed. But today is the day that the light grows brighter. The glory of the Lord returns back to the original chosen people of God, but it doesn't stay there. God's glory gets shared through Jesus, through his followers, through the ages, down to us right now. We are heirs of this mission and ministry of Jesus and all that he is and all that he will be. And that includes his light and love given for us and to us, for us to be light bearers of Christ's light, to be the ones who hold this light, this glory of the Lord for others, especially for those who live in the darkest and bleakest and saddest places of them all. But in order for us to be light bearers for Christ, we have to prepare. We have to do some preparation. And our story in the gospel gives us a wonderful clue about how we might do that when we look at the lives and the way that it describes the people Simeon and Anna in the story. Like them, we're called to immerse ourselves every day in the practice of prayer. Every day. But, but it also, if you look at the story, we're also called to be like them and to live our lives as forward-looking people, to look forward to the future and not be stuck in the past. We have to be people who expect the presence of God to act among us now and see the possibility of redemption in everything that we see. This is no small task. There are so many ways that we're constantly called by God to refine ourselves. So many ways today to reform or to refine our lives. And if we really unpack them all, we'd be here for a very long time. And I promise I will not do that to you. But today I want to stick to the idea of seeing the possibility of redemption in everything that we see. Let's face it. Simeon probably would not have recognized the face of Jesus, who Jesus was, if, he, if Simeon hadn't ordered his entire life around this practice of seeing the possibility of redemption. What would our lives be like if we actually did this? If we could see the possibility of redemption in everything that we see, what would our views then be about poverty? or immigration, or the rights of women, or people of color, or the plight of the sick and the dying, even our current state of politics, would we really engage in the types of fights that we have engaged in if we honestly trained our eyes with God's help to see the possibility of redemption 
in everything. How would it make us more wise, more caring? Imagine if we held tight to Christ's light and had this lens of seeing the possibility of God's redemption playing out everywhere we go, then we'd be able to start identifying the structures that keep some people down while, while raising other people up. We would be able to invite God's transformation into many of those unsolvable realities that we see all around us. And we could discern how we might be catalysts for God's true and everlasting redemption. Examples of this could go on and on, but our call today, my beloved family of God, is that the light gets brighter. And the light of the world, Jesus Christ himself, shines brighter into the bleakest of places. That Jesus' light and love shines brighter out of those great doors of Trinity Cathedral, into the streets, into the avenues, onto the roads, and even onto the freeways of Phoenix because of us. We are now called to be the bearers of the light and to take that light into the world to redeem absolutely everything we can put our hands on. And know that we can reach out and bring the light and joy of Jesus himself into every part of our own world. Because the joy that Simeon experienced when he held Jesus is now our joy to take to the streets and to literally set the world on fire with God's never-ending, abundant, redeeming love. Oh, we might have second temple disappointments and setbacks. On certain days, God might seem more distant than any time before. But we have absolutely nothing to fear because Jesus is the light of the world and just like this time of year reminds us, day by day, we grow brighter. The light that might seem distant becomes so bright that it overcomes any shred of darkness that lies before it. And this is the light that we follow, Jesus Christ himself. He's the one who grew up and taught us the ultimate way to live and to love and to die and to rise again as human beings. And we can be sure that when we follow, we grow and we become strong. God fills us with wisdom and the favor of God, just like Jesus, the favor of God is also upon us. The days are getting brighter. Go fill the dark places in your world with God's light, expecting the possibility of redemption in everything that you see. The light of God's glory is here in Jesus. The light of God's glory now fills this room. The light of God's glory, because of Jesus, now bursts out into our world through you.